Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Andrea. We are bringing you the Real Moms Real Life Podcast, your guide to self-empowerment and taking on each day as your best self. This is episode number 51. We have Dr. Aaron Weissman back today to talk about permanent birth control. If you'd like to submit a question, head over to realmomsreallife.com. Don't forget, all the resources on this podcast are meant for information purposes only and not to be confused for medical advice or treatment. Welcome back, Dr. Aaron. Hey, guys. Hey. I'm excited. Yay, me too. And I'm pretty sure that people know you by now, but I'm going to keep reading your bio for a little bit until we decide that we no longer want to read it. So I'm going to I'm going to read your bio in case anyone hasn't listened, but I'm pretty sure you're on episode 21, 31 and 41. Nice. Maybe just 31 and 41, but and then you'll this will be episode 51. So you're on the ones. So, Dr. Aaron Wiseman is a family medicine trained osteopathic physician and fierce advocate for better health and wellness, particularly among healthcare providers and working moms. She lives and practices in rural southwestern Indiana, loves her roles as a farmer's wife, athlete, and mother of three littles ages seven, four, and two. Early in her medical career, Dr. Aaron realized that she was already burned out from medicine. By rising through this very difficult situation, she has come to recognize the passion of her heart, which is motivating and inspiring others. She focuses her work around like-minded women to know they are never alone in burnout and motherhood, and that help is always available for those who ask. She lectures, video blogs, and provides personal coaching via Truth Prescriptions. She can be reached on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram. Woo! Did it! It makes me sound so important. You know, that I love when you read that, and I so appreciate that. But I'm just another girl just here talking about mom stuff who happens to have doctor in front of her name. <laughs> I love – I think that it's really important to recognize all of our accomplishments and to – just to be there and just be like, yeah, I did that because you did. And I think it's really important. I think as women and um, moms, we tend to like hide behind some of those like big mm-hmm. things. So yeah, we do. Being here we again. do. Well, yeah, yeah. All right. So we're talking about permanent birth control today. What kind of good juicy questions did you guys bring? So, all right. So I have a question because I was like, I probably could just look this up, but let me ask Dr. Aaron. So the first thing I want to talk about is hysterectomies, because I feel like that's, like, the biggest one, like, the with the most um, side effects, probably the most, the maybe the most uh, invasive surgical procedure, probably, and I just want to know what they do to, like, close off that area. Like, is there just an open <laughs> hole? No, no open hole. No open hole. Okay, so hysterectomy, if we literally break the the name down, hyster is another Latin word for uh, womb or uterus. Ectomy means it comes out. So literally, they are taking out your uterus. And if everybody remembers, your uterus is like the house to where you hold your babies. Now, babies have to come through your cervix, which is the bottom part of your your, um, uterus. And then your egg from your ovaries travels through your fallopian tubes, which is the top part of your uterus. So, you know, all those pictures, it looks like it looks like I always think of like an animal with ears and a long snout. Um, But really the size of a human female's uterus is a little bit smaller than your fist, to be perfectly honest, a non-pregnant uterus. Um, If you've never been pregnant before, it's even smaller. It's more the size of like a plum, 
Um, so it's a pretty small organ that causes a lot of pain. Would you not agree? Both with yeah. periods <laughs> and pregnancy and delivery. So like I said, um, it's that organ that kind of sits down there. Um, once it's taken out, um, you can no longer hold a pregnancy because that's what it is essentially specialized for. And there's all different reasons that um, you can have a hysterectomy, be it that you have like really bad bleeding, maybe you have fibroids, which are those are benign tumors that grow in the wall of your uterus. Um, you know, other like complications, like you have a, um, a tear in your uterus, like say um, you V-backed, which is a vaginal delivery after a C-section, you know, that C-section um, incision scar line opens up. Um, that's why one complication of V-backs, you, you really need to be in a hospital to be supervised for, because um, that could be a complication. Um, that would be a reason for hysterectomy. Um, they do occasionally do hysterectomies, um, but usually not the primary reason for contraception. Usually you have to have some other reason to have this organ removed because like you said, it's a pretty big deal. It's not like going and having your toenail removed. Um, this is a major organ, um, particularly in your reproductive tract that um, a physician is really gonna think long and hard about. One, because anytime you undergo anesthesia for an operation, you know, that increases your risk for side effects. But two, um, you know, it is a, it's a pretty delicate surgery. Um, that an OBGYN or general surgeon typically performs because of where it sits adjacent to um, your GI tract, so your lower GI tract, your rectum, large intestine, but it also is intimately near um, your ureters, which those are the little tubes that run from your kidney down to your bladder, and that's how you drain um, your urine. So it's not a, a surgery that just like go in, get it done, and come out, even though, you know, people who do this on a regular basis, physicians who do on a regular basis are good at it, it's still not something to be taken lightly for. Different ways that you can have a hysterectomy. So um, an open hysterectomy is when you actually have an incision on your belly. Um, your abdomen is opened, so that's why they call it an open hysterectomy, where they remove this um, and then the other option is a laparoscopic, and that's where they do the little poke holes in your belly. They insert a really powerful specialized surgical camera so they can see what's going on inside as they do your surgery. And then um, typically they get, because you have to think it's not just floating in there inside of your body. You've got different ligaments. You've got different attachments that have to kind of be taken down before they can remove your uterus. And typically then how they remove it is actually through your vaginal canal. Now, is there an open space after your uterus is removed? No. What they do is they will suture up the end of your vaginal canal. So if you think about it, you have like your open area of your vaginal canal. And remember I said the cervix is the end of your uterus and it actually sits like down inside of that canal. So when that's removed, think about like when you have a hole at the end of your toe of your sock, then it's closed up like that. And so um, a lot of times where a woman will have like some, some pain with sex is because um, their vaginal 
canal is no longer as long as what it used to be. So it can be a space issue, but that's not always the case. Typically, most women don't have any issues um, with their vaginal canal after a hysterectomy. Um, but no, it's not open anymore. And the amazing thing with, with inside of your body after your uterus is removed, like I mentioned before, your bladder just kind of moves back a little bit and your lower GI tract with your large intestine kind of moves forward and it kind of fills that space. So it's not like that you've got a big empty pocket in your belly anymore. Interesting. I did not know all that. Yeah, Thanks. that was really informative. Yeah. So That's anatomy today. Yeah, really. it, was, it was great. We definitely did not go into um, that type of detail in physical therapy school. Um, but no, so, yes. Yeah, I know what the vagina is, I think. No, I'm saying now you know the inside of everything. Now I know. Now I know what's <laughs> it's going on <laughs> So let's stick with the women. So you said that hysterectomy is not a typical, like, from a birth con- permanent birth control option, and that makes total sense. So let's go on to what may be more typical, which would be a tubal ligation, right? Exactly. So talk to us about yeah. that. Okay, so tubal ligation, like I mentioned, so your fallopian tubes are like the roadway for eggs to zoom into your uterus. So in order to, so that you do not get um, fertilization from your ovulated eggs, you got to close down that road system, essentially. And so um, different ways that they can be done. Um, it can, again, be done laparoscopically with the little poke holes in your belly um, and Tubes are either um, tied and clipped in the middle, so they tie both sides and then clip the space in the middle. Um, and then a lot of times um, they will burn those tube ends and even take out the middle portion of tube just to ensure, send it to pathology, ensure that, yes, we for sure took part of the tube out and burned both ends. And so they do it on both sides, right and left side. Um, they used to use clips, but actually, they found that um, some clip methods at times don't have as good of a close rate because you, essentially you want to close that tube down and then you want that tube to scar so that there are no openings. Um, and so um, they don't always, it just depends. It's, it's different surgeons have different elections. And when I say like a, a higher rate, I'm saying it goes from like 99% effective to 98% effective. So still very, 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 very high but um, just enough to kind of mention that as far as with that. So both sides. One of the unique things about some women is some women will actually have an extra or maybe two extra fallopian tubes, one on one side or maybe one on each side. Um, I had a patient recently who she's like, I had a tubal. I know I'm not pregnant. And her pregnancy test came back positive because she had one of those extra fallopian tubes. Now, this only happens in like one in a hundred thousand women. So it's pretty, pretty rare. But uh, it is something to to mention that um, it can happen. The other thing is, too, is if those tubes don't scar down entirely, um, you got to remember an egg is the size of one tiny little cell in our body. And if it mysteriously, miraculously gets through maybe a little hole that in the scar tissue, it can still travel into your uterus or sometimes it'll get hung up in a tube where you have an ectopic pregnancy. So again, tubal ligations, like I said, the success rate is very, very high. We're talking 99 point blah, blah, blah percent. But in medicine, we never say never because there's always somebody to prove us wrong. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah, that, that part scares me. Is that under general anesthesia too or no? Typically, yes. Typically, um, you go under general anesthesia. A lot of times, women who are having a C-section and they know that they don't want any more children, Mm -hmm. they'll do a tubal at the C-section. Gotcha. It's kind of, that practice is falling a little bit out of favor um, because um, OBs are wanting women's bodies to heal a little bit and then also make sure that it really is their last pregnancy because it's a big decision Mm -hmm. to decide that you no longer want to have the opportunity to have any more children. So there is a lot of, um, you know, mental preparation that I think, you know, we can talk about like the physical stuff um, all day long, but part of it too is the mental side. No, absolutely. Yeah. I know that because I had a C-section with my first, they were asking me pretty regularly, well, you know, if you have a C-section with this, or do you want to get your tubes tied? And and I was like, you know, I'm pretty sure that we're not, we're done having kids. And he's like, no, if we do not have this documented, like, if you do not say, yes, I'm definitely done, like, at least three or four visits before having the baby, we do not do it. So, like, they were pretty big about this is not a game time decision. You know, if you end up having a C-section and then you just say, no, just tie my tubes. Like, we're not going to do it because there's just so much emotion that goes into it. Um, but they, they, you know, they definitely asked me, even though I wasn't planning on having a C-section, just because my risk was higher. But it really, I think that it's important to talk about the, the decision-making process. I know that... Um, my husband and I think we'll talk, maybe we'll talk about this in a little bit, had a, we, he just had a vasectomy a couple of weeks ago and it was a little weird making the decision, but we've kind of always known there was a certain point where we're like, oh, you know what? We might, we were possibly just going to just have one after the first and then, do we talk about but we weren't quite ready to say, okay, no, we're definitely only going to have one. Let's take care of this now. But then... After the second, we had her, she's healthy, all of those things. It's like, yep, we're done. And he's like, all right, sign me up. And he just went and did it. And when he said that he was going to sign up, there was a little bit of like a, like, oh, wait, wait, are, are we sure we're ready? But like, I, I know. And if you know, for me, it's like, I never want to be pregnant again. Like that's, if we end up wanting to expand our family sometime in the future, then we've decided that we will adopt. And I don't see us doing that. I don't see us wanting to expand our family in the future, but we both are pretty sure like pregnancy in my body just doesn't go well. I just, it's, I don't want it to happen again. So that's why we've decided, we decided to go through that. And that was a, you know, a fairly easy decision for us because in our minds, this is what we've wanted and we've, and this is what we have and it's wonderful, you know, and there's, we have two girls and we're so happy for that. We have no desire to try for, you know, try for another, you know, try for a boy or anything like that. So it's just very, we're both on the same page about it, which made it a lot easier to make that decision. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like we're still in the like, do we want to go all out and get the vasectomy? Can we talk about vasectomies a little bit, Erin? Yeah, totally. Give us like, yeah, like what it entails and the success success rate and everything like that. All right. So uh, vasectomy is the male equivalent to females tubal ligations. Um, So it's the vas deferens. That's the anatomy structure. Um, It's a tube that um, runs from 
backside of a male's testicles into kind of all his pipe work and plumbing um, because men, you know, their urinary tracts and their um, general, their, their sexual tracts also run together. So essentially what you're doing is you're stopping sperm, their swimmers, from entering the main tract um, that would then head through the urethra and out the penis. Um, one question I get all the time from men is, it sounds terrible, they're like, can you jizz after you have a vasectomy? And the other juices, everything that goes into semen is still there besides sperm. So it is the the tube that transports sperm only. So yes, essentially you can after that. It's just not got any active ingredients anymore after you get um, a, a vasectomy. Um, it does not in any way affect erection. It doesn't affect... Um, you know, sexual health, that's the same thing with tubal ligations. I guess I didn't mention that. In no way does it change your libido. It's literally just um, altering your anatomy. And so then you no longer, you know, have your egg or he no longer has his sperm in the system um, where it could interact with each other. Um, typically, um, it's an outpatient surgery. Men do not go under general, general anesthesia typically. It's just typically um, a local anesthesia. So like lidocaine, marcaine, something to numb the area. Um, and it's pretty quick because you're not, because of where the anatomy is, it's not intra-abdominal. It's not inside their abdomen. It's just um, a small area on the backside of their scrotum that's opened up. And typically the incisions are like a half of inch at most as far as with that. The one thing is with the vasectomy, and I encourage all women or even men who are listening to the podcast, make sure you go and submit your post vasectomy samples. So many men will have the vasectomy and then things are healed up. They think it's fine. No big deal. And then they don't um, go and do those samples. And essentially what that is, is you submit a sample after masturbation or sex um, to have your doctor look at and see, are there any sperm in your sample? Because guess what? If there's sperm in your sample, then you're still fertile and there's still the chance for pregnancy. So that's one thing I always tell people to follow up on um, because I did have a patient who had a vasectomy and then his wife got pregnant a couple weeks later because they didn't do their sample and because there was still sperm in his system. So, no wow. to self. Aren't you supposed to wait, like, two months or something? I mean, not wait, but, like, isn't it supposed to be, like, a certain amount of time to, like, test yes. it and stuff? Like, it's not. Yeah. Because Maybe there like, still could be the potential of old sperm in mm -hmm. the track. So, I mean, it's not like you can't have sex after. I mean, there's some mm -hmm. soreness. There's some surgical pain with it. But you'd want to use a backup method until your samples come back clear. Yeah, I know for my husband, they said, and I feel like my friend's doctor said something different, but for him, it was 20 times or 12 weeks, whichever mm -hmm. one comes first. Right. So right. I want to ask it's that doctor how quick someone now. got back. Checklist. But yeah, essentially, you just, because of just how the, the track is and everything, you do kind of have to have a clearing out or just a double check to make sure that those samples are clear after that. Makes sense. Are there any side effects? I mean, minus the like right after side effects? Uh, generally not. Um, most men do fine with it um, because of where the area is at. It's not anything that they're likely to develop like hernias. I had a patient ask me about that one time. Mm -hmm. um, there's no correlation as far as with that. Um, you know, there are 
those out there that people who get a vasectomy and then later in life be like, hey, I don't want this anymore. Um, it is really, really tricky once you've altered these tubes, both in female and in males, that there there's not really good success rates like just hooking them back up. It's just not how the body works. But I know there are some um, offices out there that that will try to do like a vasectomy reversal, but you're going to spend a lot more money trying to get this reversed than, than you did initially when you had this procedure. So that's why I think it goes back to that conversation that you're having with your significant other about like, this is, this should be considered permanent. This should be considered that there's no going back. There's no changes. How would that influence your decision? Are there, any because we're just cutting the tubes for both the in the the women and the the male population are there any hormonal effects of either a tubal ligation or a vasectomy I think there's more effects from the stress induced from knowing that you're going through um, a procedure um, there may be some with the anesthesia that you're going under but you got to remember that um, you know, sex hormones as far as with all of that are not in these areas. And so typically my medical answer is no, um, as far as from the doctor side. I know that some patients have reported that they feel like there's definitely been some changes, both the good side and the bad side. I know some couples feel like they have a lot more sexual freedom after they pursue, um, permanent contraception because then they're not worried about getting pregnant because there's a lot of fear and anxiety for some people around that should they have had a traumatic birth or they've had some loss or um, just with that but it it almost opened up their sex life more after they knew that that was kind of off the table and then on the opposite side I've had people tell me that um, um, it was not good or was not helpful. But as far as from the medical side, no, there's not really any hormonal um, changes with this because we're not really introducing any hormones in the body and we're not really taking any organs out that produce hormones. That's that's good to know. I wasn't sure. Um, so really the difference between the two is it's a slightly more invasive for the tubal ligation and typically women are put under anesthesia for it. Whereas the vasectomy, and I think my husband was in there for 30 minutes and he was done, mm-hmm. um, watched videos on his phone during the procedure. I think the worst part for him was having to shave his balls. <laughs> <laughs> and the after Could be. that they're now like sticking to his legs. <laughs> so the unmentioned side effect. Yes. Would, would yes. Be, they didn't tell you about that. They didn't tell you about that one Um, and having all that kind of grow back in. So, um, yeah, I think that I think it's hard sometimes as a woman to, you know, because throughout, you know, the non-permanent options, a lot of it, you know, aside from condoms. But even though like that still affects us, but a lot of the hormonal options, all of that is kind of all on us as women. I feel like we still think it might be on us to get the permanent birth control, but knowing how much easier the procedure is for the male, I I think that it's really important to be able to have that conversation. Hopefully you're comfortable enough with your husband to have that conversation and to weigh the risks. I know some people, some people I know their husbands are like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not doing that. And it's, it's really important to take charge of this, I think yourself and to, to be willing to have that conversation and to say, Hey, you know what? pregnancies on me like this this all like I had to carry these babies whatever like there's so much trauma that our bodies go through and even if you're trying 
deciding on hormonal or permanent birth control because you don't want ever want kids but still this is like the one time that the men can actually do something so i think it's really some important to to consider yeah it definitely is and it definitely goes into that mental processing um with all of it as well um we can get into it a little bit more but one other thing that i wanted to touch on before we jump into the mental side is um tubal occlusion so there is a procedure um that can be done in the office instead of clipping your tubes burning them and tying them off they actually go from the inside and it's typically coils that are placed inside of your tubes on both sides um, to make them scar down and totally occlude them. Um, there's some different companies and they use um, some different names. The, the one I'm most familiar with, but in no way am I um, like totally endorsing them is the Escher procedure. And like I said, what, what essentially happens is a small camera is inserted into your vaginal canal through your cervix so it's actually like getting a view from inside of your uterus and then the doctors will find the two little openings to where your fallopian tubes open into and then what they do is just run a small wire up through one side and then the other and then a small coil is placed in there so the thought is your body will scar down around that coil and then that will cause the tube to be closed to ensure that 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 your body has taken to that procedure into the coil, you do have to have what's called like a dye testing. And essentially what they do is, again, you have to have another procedure. Um, a small catheter is placed into your uterus. Your uterus is filled with dye. And then they take some pictures of the area to see if any of that dye is spilling out through your fallopian tube. So if all the dye stays inside of your uterus, then you know your tubes are closed and then you're no longer fertile. If some of the dye escapes, then that means, oops, maybe we have a small opening and it's not evidently um, a permanent birth control. And then you would have to proceed to go on to have like a full um, tubal ligation. So that is another option for women. A lot of women are doing this tubal occlusion and then they partner it with a um, endometrial ablation. So that's where you're getting rid of the inside lining of your uterus. And then you'll essentially have no period or very light period periods compared to what you used to have. But before you can have an ablation, you must have um, either tubal ligation or a tubal occlusion um, because you would not want to get pregnant after an endometrial ablation because you don't have like the fertile tissue to support a pregnancy after that. I didn't know that they combined those two together. I've definitely heard of the the tubal um, occlusion. I had to write it down. I, <laughs> um, but that sounds like a, a good, less invasive option mm-hmm. that, you know, what outpatient procedure, that kind of thing, that if you're you're struggling to, to get your husband to, to get the... Get the snip to, to pursue yeah, possibly. And, and then you don't have to you don't have to go um, into full general anesthesia. Um, there is some discomfort as far as you know having those kind of procedures inside of your uterus, but um, definitely the recovery time um, is it's an office procedure as far as with that. Um, and you're not dealing, like I said, with the general anesthesia um, and some women love it because then you know they they didn't have to go through the whole whole big thing. And then if they pair it with the ablation, then um, periods for them are much better. I have a question about that because I actually saw, I hadn't heard of that until 
recently, I think, you know, in my Facebook group, I bet someone had posted about it. And, like, there was a whole string of, like, really bad horror stories associated with it. And people posting, like, all kinds of links to, like, I mean, pretty... I mean, well, not, you know, not like the depths of the internet article, but like Washington Post articles and like, I mean, not that that's like a legit like medical resource, but like pretty big things saying that, oh, there's a lot of really bad side effects to that. So there's a lot of women who have like some really, and like people were posting their own personal stories that um, there's just, I, I can't remember like the reactions they were having, but it was like pretty scary. And I was surprised that like in a you know, Facebook group that has nothing to do with that, how many were posting about it. Um, do you know anything about that? It just seemed, I don't know, it seemed like I was just like, did like very, very quick like reading and I can't really remember it because this was probably a couple months ago now. But um, yeah, it did not seem like a good option when I was. As far as with that. the tubal occlusion or you mean ablation? The no, the medical. Di- I remember the specifically the Assure itself, like the okay. medical device. Apparently, there's like all kinds of controversy on it because it has some pretty significant side effects in some people. And that it was like this really like there's like documentaries on it and all kinds of things about like women being ignored from their pain from it. And it turned out it was all like traced back to this coil thing. I'm not real familiar, mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest. I don't do this type of procedure. Yeah. I just kind of know about it. Um, I mean, I think it's like with anything that you have mm-hmm. implanted within you, um, you know, that there is that that potential. I know that it's a metal coil that's um, coated with a polymer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, you know, I feel like some people have some sensitivities that they may not yeah. evidently know about. Um, the hard part is, is once it's in, it's in, and then to get it out, you've got to have it surgically like recovered, like I said, and removed. So I'm not really for so much for sure on that. I mean, I definitely wouldn't like downplay anybody who potentially says, you know, like there's some issues. Um, I would just say I would have to do some more research on that to give a full Mm -hmm. opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought that was interesting. I hadn't heard of it before and I was like, oh, that's that thing I was reading about. <laughs> but clearly it was just a random search. So I don't know. I would search it a little bit more. Well, and I think you'd that. have yeah. to, too. You know, we can't take the Facebook for word. You know, it's obviously not evidence-based medicine um, because I see lots oh, of Yeah, no, it wasn't just, it was like they were like, I think there's a whole documentary that's done on it yeah. and like all this other kind of, it was like, I was, that's where I was surprised by this like huge flood. That's what like made me look at it because I was like oh like it just kept like popping back up in the thing and I was like the hell is this thing so I think a lot of women initially yeah. did it pretty quickly because it was mm-hmm. kind of a new procedure and it was non-invasive as far as surgical so I think a lot of people probably jumped onto it and whenever you kind of have a wave like that I mean you are going to have people who have some sort of side effects and reporting as far as with that so I would just say that you really need to talk in depth with your OBGYN or um, GYN health specialist whoever takes care of you um, to kind of get their take on it because if they're not comfortable with the procedure then I wouldn't pursue it Um, but if it is somebody who is then I you know I just think you need to know your options and I think people need to know that that is a possibility um, if you're not so sure that you want to have surgery or your husband um, wants to have a procedure makes sense yeah that was really helpful Um, I know that we wanted to talk a little bit more about some of the emotional effects of it. We are getting close to time. So is there anything that you wanted to sort of specifically say about that, Erin? 
Sure. I think that, um, you know, there's just a lot of thought processing that goes into it. It's not a decision that's made on a whim. It's not one that, um, I think, you know, when people say, you know, you know, I personally have had three children. I too do not want to be pregnant again, but I know my husband and I are still in the discussion like, okay, so do we make this permanent or do we not? And I mean, our daughter's two and a half now, and we've been having the discussion for two years. Um, I myself also has had some really difficult pregnancies, difficult deliveries. Um, So he's very sympathetic and being like, that's fine. I don't think we need to have any more children, but it's just, uh, I would say for us, a mental struggle of altering our bodies, even as a physician, I'll be perfectly honest. I don't evidently want us to come to a medical procedure, Um, you know, and so I just wanted to put that out there for other women that, you know, if you're not sure, fine, that's totally okay. Um, Just understand that there is help available, um, that these procedures are possible for you, and that when you make your decision and when you know, then talk to a trusted healthcare provider about that. Um, but also know that if it takes some time to process it, then I would encourage everybody to take that time and process it. And maybe even seek out um, you know, somebody who has either been through it before or a counselor to kind of help as far as you and your spouse, because a lot of times there's more underlying issues rather than just the changing of your anatomy. Um, I know one, speaking to a couple, the the man was worried about like his fertility. Like that was something that was obviously very important to him. And then after kind of speaking through kind of exactly what I told you guys, um, he had some resolution. So if there's that uneasiness or that discomfort as you're talking about this conversation, there's there's obviously more that you need to uncover before you make this big decision for yourself. That's perfect. Do you have anything else to add, Andrea? No, I mean, we're also just still in the midst of the decision. I mean, we, you know, kind of both are pretty like confident we just want one, but yeah, it's still just a big decision. Well, and sometimes... I think you need to say we're making the decision to not decide right now. And that itself is a decision is to say, you know, we've talked about it. We don't feel clear on it. So let's just make the decision not to decide and come back to it in a certain length of time. Mm -hmm. For sure. I love that. All right. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining us today. For more from Erin, you can find her on Facebook at Truth Prescriptions with Dr. Erin Wiseman. And I'm going to link to that in the show notes. Follow Andrea and I on social media for news, updates, and calls for questions. You can find me, Beth, at Pizza Real Eats and Andrea at Dr. Andrea Moore on Instagram and Facebook. Please subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode and write us a review. Show notes for this episode and all podcast-related information can be found at realmomsreallife.com.